you should try to pick up a problem which is like in these premier competitions with prize money because they have the most serious competitors uh, against you and uh, you will get to learn a lot from the notebooks or kernels that are shared you will get to learn a lot from different discussions uh, you will learn a lot by failing in those competitions so yeah be ready to like uh, be ready to accept that you can fail you, you maybe you won't win the medal because it's your first competition maybe you will win the medal and that will boost your confidence uh, but don't get intimidated by others doing well in the competition and when the competition is finished people share their solutions so try to go through them and implement them on your own and you can still submit to the competition after the competition ends and that way you will learn a lot of new things Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of Ken's Nearest Neighbors, the podcast where I bring in fascinating people from my world, talk about life, data science, sports analytics, content creation, and much, much more. I'm your host, Ken G. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking with Abhishek Thakur. Abhishek was the first ever three-time and four-time Kaggle Grandmaster. He also has a YouTube channel where he produces really good tutorial content, and he recently published a book about how to approach almost any machine learning problem. I'll leave more links to Abhishek's content below and above. I'll also try to link his YouTube channel. In our interview, we talk about how to dominate the Kaggle platform like he has, how he learned his unique data science skills, how he landed a job in a different country, and about his experiences creating content and writing a book. This interview was extremely interesting to me as someone who's looking to expand more on the Kaggle platform. And I think it'll also help many of you think differently about creating a body of work and eventually getting a job. Now on to the interview. Awesome, well thank you so much for coming in Abhishek. You have such a cool background. Uh, as I mentioned before, you're the first three-time Kaggle Grandmaster and first four-time Kaggle Grandmaster which I think is absolutely incredible. Uh, in, this, in this conversation, I really wanted to get some of your background, how you got interested in data science, learn more about the, the Kaggle experiences that you've had, and also talk about your work uh, internationally as well. I think that those things for my audience would be really cool uh, for them to learn about you and could definitely help them as they progress through this field. As, as I also know, you recently published a book, so I'd love to hear about that experience and, and what people can learn from that as well towards the end. So the first thing I'd like to ask you is just a more broad question. How did you get started in data science? What did that, um, that journey look like for you? So, yeah, first of all, thank you very much, Ken, and th thank you very much for inviting me. I'm, I'm a big fan of yours. Awesome, I'm a fan of, of yours too, so. That you make. So thanks a lot. Uh, for having me here and uh, uh, now to start with the, my data science journey uh, it goes back to 2011 I think um, so um, at that time I moved from India to Germany to do my master's and uh, when I was doing a master's thesis and I, at the same time I was working in Fraunhofer Institute um, on OCR and microcontrollers so that was something entirely different from machine learning and my friends were working in machine learning and natural language processing. Some were working on neural networks. So it was 
it was like talking to them motivated me to learn about learn more about machine learning and i found this website called kaggle and i started with a very simple problem it was a problem for image processing as i saw it at that time it <laughs> it was about emotion recognition so it was not about image processing but more about deep neural networks and at that time i had no idea about deep neural networks so i started with simple approaches and i failed but then i learned winners tackle the problem and uh, that's how i got more and more interested in this field of data science so that's, that's like awesome. a gist of it <laughs> <laughs> well you know one thing i really like is that it seems like you kind of just jumped right in even even kind of to the deep end with some of the deep neural neural net architectures and i think that that's something a lot of people can take away is that it's okay to jump in feet first and and fail a little bit that's how you learn really really fast and yeah, so when go ahead go ahead so so yeah that that was my approach uh, to to start with the problem because i had some experience with the theory not a lot so i just started with the problem neural networks was something entirely new to me and then i saw that okay i'm not able to do this thing so i went back to uh, reading about logistic regression <laughs> so i should perfect myself there first and then come to these things awesome well i mean that is something i find really interesting is that if you don't jump in if you don't for example with the interview process if you don't do a couple interviews you won't really know what you need to work on a lot of people throughout the whole data science pipeline whether it's learning or whether it's interviewing they say can you know am i i don't know if i'm ready uh should i should i interview should i should i start working on projects and you're not going to know unless you try it and you do it so yeah. that's that's a kind of awesome perspective i think that you have there um with kaggle what particularly drew you to that platform obviously you're you're kind of the the master of kaggle so um you know what do they do well what are some of the things that maybe you'd like to see them uh, improve on what would i like kaggle to improve on what well, well more you know what drew you to the platform initially uh, obviously okay. they have a lot of data but is there so um, the story of kaggle goes long long ago uh, when uh, i i think i joined kaggle when i was still doing my bachelor's and at that time i i had done an internship and i knew what uh, random forest is so i just knew what random forest is <laughs> and uh a friend of mine came to my room and he told me about this website where i can go and people use random forest a lot and he thought i know about random forest uh so i should go and play around with some problems there so he made me create a uh, account on kaggle and after that i saw kaggle in my masters <laughs> so when i was looking for some I I was I I knew that I had created an account on some website which has machine learning competitions um but I had forgotten the name so I I was I googled it machine learning competitions and all and then I saw Kaggle and I tried to create an account and I already had an account there so <laughs> this is the story how I um, got in uh, like uh, into Kaggle and Uh, then i saw that there are many competitions there and i took some courses in the university on machine learning and data mining and i left in the middle i didn't even finish them and the only problem was uh, it was all about the theory it was not about applications and theory i can also learn from many different resources and i was more interested in applications because if i have to if i have to go to the industry 
theory is important, but what's more important than theory is the applications. So you should also know how to apply the theory, right? So, and that's that's where I found like Kaggle is really useful. And it also gives you like the ability to think out, out, outside the box. So you can apply the learnings that you have learned from Kaggle in your industrial problems. So, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, you know, there are two things that I that I really thought were interesting with that. So the first is that one of your friends told you about the website. And that's something that I want to stress to anyone watching this is how important it is to build a community or, or talk to other people uh, in the data science field. And, you know, there's Facebook groups, there's, you know, commenting uh, on my YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, there, you know, there, there's um, you know, Discord servers, there's a bunch of the, these different things where you can build this community. And that's one way that you can, you know, expand your understanding of the field. You know, you probably wouldn't have been introduced to it initially if your friend hadn't said something. And the word of mouth is very powerful. It is. And community helps you a lot. So back then, I used to ask like really stupid questions on Kaggle forums. I have asked like really stupid questions, but people have always been very helpful. And those were those were like one of the best data scientists on Kaggle at that time. Uh, and uh, you're in touch with the community, so you're growing with the community. So from the help of the people in the community, and then when when you need help in future, there there's this whole community ready to help you. So yeah. yeah. Nice with the community. Always be nice with the community. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing too, is that if you're active in the community and, you know, someone like myself sees you commenting on a lot of different posts or we're kind of rolling in the same circles on LinkedIn, for example, yeah. you know, I am so much more likely to respond to a direct message from someone who I've, I've seen before, who I know is not just, you know, asking me for a one-off thing that's, that's willing to engage and that's willing to, to share and communicate with a lot of other people. I think that that's something and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm not extroverted, I'm, I'm introverted, and, and that's a barrier for them. But if you're typing on a computer, frankly, that really shouldn't matter as much. I, I, I'm a big believer that, uh, you know, extroversion is something, you know, I don't expect everyone to talk in front of a camera and make videos and do those things. That is an extroverted trait on my part. But at the same time, if you're, if you're typing, if, if you're communicating, um, hopefully, you can break away from from that paradigm and just talk with other people. Uh, it's, it's, I would hope it's it's less intimidating. Um, so, you know, in, again, in regards to Kaggle, what what are some tips that you have for beginners to get started? Aside from just jumping in and going and do it, doing it. So, for, first of all, uh, learn some theory. So, I like Andrew Ang's course a lot. So, do that course, and alongside, you can start with some kind of problem on Kaggle. So there are many, many different problems you can start with. You can start with Titanic, which is one of the most popular problem, but don't try to spend like time on it more than like more than a month on that kind of problem, because you would want to achieve a AUC of 1.0 or accuracy of hundred percent in, in that problem. And that's not possible. And even if it is, it's not useful. So yeah. if, when you, when you see that you, um, you have exhausted all the methods that you have learned, move to some, some other problem. Yeah, and you've probably overfit the test data set yeah, you've if you've gotten that <laughs> if you've gotten that high an answer. True. And uh, then you, you should try to pick up a problem which is like in these premier competitions with prize money because they have the most serious competitors 
uh, against you and uh, you will get to learn a lot from the notebooks or kernels that are shared you will get to learn a lot from different discussions uh, you will learn a lot by failing in those competitions so yeah be ready to like uh, be ready to accept that you can fail you, you maybe you won't win the medal because it's your first competition maybe you will win the medal and that will boost your confidence uh but don't get intimidated by others doing well in the competition and when the competition is finished people share their solutions so try to go through them and implement them on your own and you can still submit to the competition after the competition ends and that way you will learn a lot of new things that's awesome i mean that's something that that i really want to highlight again is going through other people's work who are maybe a step or a couple steps further than you that that's how you really you know push the boundaries right if if i'm going and i'm just working on projects completely independently i'm never going to really expand beyond the techniques that i know because i haven't seen how it not should be done but how someone more advanced or or a, what a better solution looks like so even if you're like oh i'm just reviewing this i'm copying this i'm not really learning it um that's not true the more you see other people's solutions that are really good the more you build intuition around the field and the intuition i think is what the most important thing is i mean i can go on i can just google or i can go to stack overflow or i can look at the docs for any of these things to implement them understanding which one to use or what tweaks to it um could produce better results that's what that's what the real data science skill is about that, and you build it important. so yeah. learning from others work is very important and the way you should learn is not to copy paste so go through the code if they have shared some code if they have shared some discussion on how they approach the problem just read read it and try to implement it on your own so if you start copy pasting the, these things then it's going to be very difficult for you to learn because then you won't understand what's going on absolutely and yeah that's that's one thing i that i don't think i ever talked about but one thing that i really do when i'm trying to learn a new technique is i'll just find new data and i'll try to apply the same algorithm i saw someone else using on a different dataset because then you have to change the parameters then you have to maybe change how like how the data is structured to send it through the algorithm um and you know you you can't copy and paste because it won't work uh in that case and so you just do you have to do a very little amount of adjustments yeah but um but you really start to see how it works because it's not the exact same um so so uh, sorry um so one thing i i think your your book probably covers this quite a bit as well is when you see a new kaggle competition uh starting how do you approach that you know do you have a, a like a, a process for going through it um well, what are your thoughts when you see something like this uh, coming up so um there is a difference between how i approach it now and how how i used to approach it Uh, oh, I'd love to hear about both because I think that 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 growth is really important. Yeah, I mean, before I invested quite a lot of time uh, doing explorations and uh, looking at the data. Uh, nowadays, I have I have gained some experience on what kind of model should work and what kind of pre-processing, post-processing you should use for this type of problem. So, just by looking at the data once and uh, not spending way too much time there. i am able to uh, like uh, figure out different kinds of models and algorithms that i would like to use and try to build a pipeline first so one thing that has not changed 
from like few years ago and now is i always start with very simple models and i always create a benchmark so that's my benchmark my own benchmark and i would like to beat that benchmark with every kind of improvement in the model that i'm making or every kind of improvement in the pre processing so i do like uh, do some eda and stuff it depends on what kind of problem you have if i have like uh, tabular data then i would uh, spend some time doing exploration if i have text data then these days bert works so uh, it's 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 like that if i have images so what kind of is, is it classification or segmentation problem and depending on that i would try try different models and then one, once i have my benchmark done i will start going a bit more deeper to the in the in the problem awesome well you know i i really like that i think that's something i i always recommend i i think i did that in my um in the uh, just kind of light tutorial i did for the titanic data set uh, mm. i think it's really important for most you know regression problems i've always benchmark with a very simple multiple linear regression for most uh, classification problems i prefer naive based to benchmark again you're never going to get the best results with those or you're usually not going to but it gives you something to to base your performance off of and yeah. One thing I also like about Kaggle is you can benchmark the other direction too, right? You can see what the best is and see how close you're getting. And that or the best uh, performance to date is. And I think that's really cool because you can see what people are capable of, what other people are doing, and that gives you a, a range to say, "Hey, if I'm within 10% of the best answer, I must be doing something really good." And that's yeah. that's not something you can get in in most other problems, which is really really exciting. no you you cannot and uh, you sh- you should always like uh, try to keep track of your experiments so what have you done in the past and there is also like okay you mentioned my book that's why i'm saying this so there is also <laughs> a chapter uh, in my book about natural language processing and there i show like there are basic models like tfidf and logistic regression then you have models like lstms right and then you have the new transformer based models and i i try to show how much you improve uh given a metric from going from uh simple tfid of logistic regression to lstm to bert based models and how much time it takes to train so kaggle is okay so you will try to train large models to gain that last 0.0001% right but if if you if you plan to apply this in industry you have you also have to think that sometimes simple models are good yeah and uh, that's how you should also work in kaggle you should always start with something simple build a baseline and then improve on that yeah well i i really like what you said about industry so one thing i don't think people realize is that um the performance that you look at in industry is a function of time so how long it takes you to build it uh performance of the model so how accurate it is and then also how consistent it is and you know those are three things you're battling in every problem and you want to optimize a combination of those three things if you have a model that takes you know like days to train and you need to retrain it every other day even if it produces incredible results you're not going to use it because you can't it takes longer to train than how often you actually need to reimplement it and so it's one of these things where like you know that's how you, i think kaggle is incredible but you know there might be this overfocus on optimization 
if you're looking to get a job when you're doing these projects, doing something like just just like what you said, where you're showing how the different models perform and like perhaps why what the constraints are of some of these things is really important. It is. It is. It is indeed. Awesome. And so I think yeah, I'm going to be really direct here. How did you become the first three-time and four-time Kaggle Grandmaster? You know, I, I think to, to narrow it down a little bit, I think something that would be really interesting to people is like time commitment, for example, or, um, you know, how many uh, competitions you felt like you had to answer or, or how often you felt you had to brush up your skills and contribute to the community. So some, I think, three, four years ago, there were no categories like Grandmaster. I don't even remember what kind of categories were there. I think there was master level. So when they introduced the new categories, I automatically became competitions grandmaster. So I was satisfying all the criteria that they had. Uh, and the most difficult one is having a solo gold medal. So that's that's like one of the most difficult ones. So I had all those things and I was competition grandmaster then. Then I was off Kaggle for a while and uh, I was focusing on my job and all the other things in life and um, then I thought it's high time because my rank had dropped from uh, like I had a world rank of three and it dropped to 180 uh, so I was like I should go back to Kaggle now and uh, so I started and I saw like okay there there is one person who is grandmaster in two and I think I should be grandmaster in all of them so I always like to share um, kernels so before before there were kernels on kaggle i used i would share it on discussions and attach a python script and uh, i always used to call it beating the benchmark so if you search for beating the benchmark you will find a lot of scripts from me so i i used to do that so i continued doing it and uh, that also creates discussions so people ask question, you answer question, and people like your answer, so they upvote or they downvote if they don't like it. And that's how like uh, I became uh, 3x Grandmaster. And four months after that, Kaggle started a new category <laughs> so for data sets. And uh, it was the same thing. I had some data that shared uh, before this new category was created. Uh, so I got some points for that. And then... Uh, I shared data sets related to the ongoing competitions. So like if you have images, image competitions of image size, like which is 1024x1024. So that's maybe, that's, those images are maybe very huge for uh, some people and they won't be able to download the full data set. So you can, you can provide a resized version of uh, those images, like 256x256, something like that. And then people will be able to download it, and they're then they're thankful to you, so they upvote your data set, and that's how I got uh, the fourth category. Interesting. Well, so that's something I, I've heard from a couple people is that, you know, contributing to uh, communities is often not as hard as you think, right? I mean, you can take something that's already existing, and you know, effectively reshape it so that it's more usable to other people. You know, yeah. same thing with uh, contributing to open source GitHub repos. If you find a spelling error, for example, I think I got this from Krishnak. Uh, if you find a spelling error, you can go in and and you know make the changes there. You can you can merge it, whatever it is, and you you're a contributor, right? You you, you are, yeah. you've made an impact, and you know even if it's a small change, even if, if it's like a, a wording change in my book, an employer's book, that still counts. And yes. um, 
And a lot of people, they're like, oh, no, that's so hard. I have to be an expert to contribute to these things. That's really not the case. Um, and I, I think that that's a really, really important point that you bring up there is that, hey, you know, just make something that's useful to other people. It doesn't have to be that difficult. Yeah. And you just need to take care of you do it in the right way. That's it. So like you don't like <laughs> copy paste somebody else. Exactly. Exactly. I made a whole video on that. And yeah, I'll link that about the plagiarism stuff. And, so. and one more thing, since you t- talked about GitHub and contribution. So I think, I think it's also very important. Like if you're contributing to documentation, of some libraries, it's very useful to the community. Yeah. Because you are building up documentation. So which thousands of people are going to read. Yeah. Um, you know, something that, that I always lo- love seeing in documentation is examples, right? Yeah. And yeah. You, know, you, can, you can add examples to documentation. You know, that'll really help people, right? That would really help, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, that's another way. You, just, you don't have to know anything about the underlying infrastructure. If you can implement it, you can provide an example. You know, you can have a, a, you know, a, a feature tuning example. You can have some of these things. That right there is creating value, and and everyone is grateful for those types of things. Yeah, definitely. So let's move on. I'd, I'd love to hear more about your you know your your actual work experience uh, and how you landed your first international job as a data scientist. I'd love to you know that story. I get asked so much about okay, you know I'm living in India. How do I get a job in Europe? How do I get a job in the United States? Uh, what's your story here? I got a job in Europe because I came for masters to, <laughs> in Europe. So that's like uh, that's like a thing. So if you come for masters, you will probably find something good. If you don't find anything, then you can always go back and find something there. So um, I got my first job because of Kaggle. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. So at that time, at that time, data data science was pretty new, and people were hiring, but uh, Nobody likes to hire freshers, right? So, and all the time, freshers have this question: What should we do to get hired? And that's always going to be a problem. And the only thing that you can do is you build your portfolio. So, I started. I started applying. I had a lot of rejections. I think I used to apply for ten jobs a day, and uh, I, I would get rejections uh, over and over again. And then there was a company which invited me for an interview, and they were also like quite uh, interested in my Kaggle profile and what I'm doing there. So I prepared uh, before going to the interview, I prepared for everything. So it was like one day on site and they would give me a data set to play with. So I prepared all the pipelines, all kinds of pipelines you can imagine. And uh, and so like if I get text data or if I get these categorical variables with text data, what should I do? So I planned everything and then I went there. So I was able to solve the problem. And uh, all the credit for building the portfolio goes to uh, Kaggle because that's where I learned how to deal with uh, text data, how to deal with categories, how to deal with images. So all these kind of different different kinds of problems. And that, that that was like that was the first job, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty difficult. I even <laughs> applied for all kinds of jobs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it's 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 interesting, even for someone like yourself who has such an awesome skill set, who has such an awesome portfolio. It is still hard. And this is, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, the market's saturated now," but back then it was still hard, even before it was quote unquote saturated. So, you know. I, I don't, with my videos, with all this stuff, I don't want to, um, 
give anyone the idea that breaking into skills is easy. I do want to say that it is doable if you're willing to put in the time and effort to build your portfolio, to network, to do these things. Um, you know, there, there's such a, um, a powerful element around building a portfolio because as data science evolves, hopefully it's moving so much more towards uh, them looking and saying, hey, what has this person done and what can they do for our company? Rather than some less objective, uh, I mean, some, yeah, some less objective benchmarks. So when it was starting out, you basically had to have a master's or PhD to break into the field because they didn't know how, they, they say, oh, we need a data scientist. How do we evaluate them? How do we know if they're skilled? Uh, lowest hanging fruit is master's or PhD, right? Exactly. But now things like Kaggle, things like GitHub, having a portfolio, uh, those are really easy ways now, especially with Kaggle, their ranking system, to say, okay, this person might be qualified enough for us to bring in. Um, mm -hmm. You know, having your work out there, I've talked to now two people who have had their work, just projects they were doing in their own free time, published in the newspaper or on the news, right? Mm -hmm. you, you never know what happens if you just put your stuff out there, if you work on these projects, because if you think it's interesting, Someone yeah. else will probably also think it's interesting. So I get really excited about this topic. You know, I, I love the, the project stuff. And I yeah. think it's so cool that these have helped you land your first job. I think, I think you, should, you should keep on doing that anyways. So even after you get your first job, you should, you should work on, uh, keep working on your portfolio. And I, I would also like to mention that there's not, no, no, like, uh, some, there is no secret sauce. There is no recipe of becoming a data scientist. It's just your hard work and determination. And uh, once you lose hope, uh, then just forget about it. So you have to, because this field is growing so fast and there's so many different things coming in every day. And you have, you have to keep yourself updated and you have to continue working on different projects. So pick up something and uh, uh, try, to, try to work on it and then share it with the world. So share it on your GitHub, write blog posts about it, uh, share it on Reddit. Uh, so these kind of channels or uh, share it on Twitter or LinkedIn. So just show it to the world and then maybe people will pick it up. Somebody yeah. will pick it up if, if your project is good enough. Well, there's, there's zero chance anyone picks it up if you don't put it out there, you know? Exactly. No one's going to divine into your local computer and, and find your pro. No hacker is going to hack your local computer <laughs> and find a school project and share it for you. So, exactly. <laughs> I, I, again, I, I love the, that you stress uh, how important that element is. So, you said, so one way I know is to do a master's degree in another country and find work from there. I think I, I talked to Code Basics and another way is to work with a large multinational corporation and try and transfer to a branch in a different, uh, a different country. Is, are there any other ways? I, I mean, obvious to, to kind of break into, uh, into international markets that you're familiar with. So um, I can talk a little bit about India. So if, if you're, if you're coming from India, you can, you can apply for jobs everywhere. And this is like also one of the things people are uh, like, I don't know why they're reluctant to apply. And I don't know if the job will come walking to them. So uh, you have to keep on applying to jobs. And I've seen like uh, getting a visa in Europe. Uh, it's the situation is, has improved quite a lot over, over several years. And there are so many startup companies in Germany, which are ready to hire people from different countries, they they are looking for people. But you, if if you're not applying, then uh, nobody can help you. 
and so this is one thing and um, you can you can also like you if like you said if you're working in a multinational company and then they will probably send you for some years so that's also uh, one one option but then you will be bound to work with that company for some years yeah very cool uh so kind of going on with that uh with our our whole theme here kaggle data science in general uh, you've touched on a lot, obviously getting your hands dirty, doing projects. Do you have any additional tips for someone who's looking to break either into Kaggle or data science domain? Kaggle for me is particularly interesting. Obviously, I'm trying to, to do more projects there. I'm trying to expand there. Uh, anything useful for viewers as well as secretly myself is always is always valuable. So I, I so um, don't focus on too many competitions at once. Just pick one problem and focus on that. There are many, if you, if you look at Kaggle anytime you look in there, are many uh, different kinds of competition going on. So choose what you want to learn, even if it's uh, new to you and try to invest at least one hour a day, uh, looking into the problem or coding and, um, try to, I also like, uh, uh, encourage people to code in a good manner. So try to code in such a way that you don't have, you have to spend only like uh, maybe a month or less uh, coding the framework and the rest two months you can spend on optimizing stuff like changing pre-processing or ch changing something in the pipeline or changing the models or optimizing parameters, these kind of things. Then you don't have to make a lot of changes in the code and it would also be easy if you are planning to team up with someone so that's uh, these are the few things and uh, the the most important thing is uh, don't get disappointed even if you're even if you are scoring bad or uh, your score is not improving and you see like a lot of people are improving in front of you don't get disappointed and never give up so that's these are like the two most important things awesome well, those are the main questions I had. I, you know, this was absolutely incredible. I recommend that anyone follow you on Twitter and YouTube. I'll link both of those above and below, uh, probably in the first pinned comment. Uh, I, I'd love for you to talk a bit more about your book, talk about any of the projects that you're personally working on. I think that the community here would be very interested in those as well. Yeah, sure. Um, I recently launched this book. I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> so it's called Approaching Almost Any Machine Learning Problem. And uh, I, I consider this book to be quite different from other books. So first of all, I don't spend the first 10 pages talking about the book. <laughs> I just jump right into it. So um, I have a page for thanking people who have helped me. And uh, then I jump right into um, the content. and. I have structured it in such a way like you start with setting up your working environment and then I talk a little bit about supervised and supervised learning. I talk about cross validation, some evaluation metrics. Then I talk about how you should try to arrange your machine learning projects, which I think is very important. And then you have the usual chapters on cross, uh, sorry, categorical variables and feature engineering, feature selection, hyperparameter optimization. I talk about image classification and segmentation, a little bit about natural language processing. I can write a book on natural language processing. I talk about ensembling and stacking because a lot of people expect me to talk about it. And um, some um, 
I talk a little bit about uh, Docker. So this is this is this is like more or less the contents of the book. But uh, I have I've designed it in such a way like if you if you don't code along with the book, then uh, you shouldn't buy the book. So <laughs> it's it's very code heavy book. There is not a lot of mathematics, and uh, I have a lot of focus on code. And also fo- focused on how you how you can implement these things, how you can build a pipeline for categorical variables, let's say, or a pipeline for tackling image problems. How you can implement neural networks. So I have these things, but it's so code heavy. Uh, some people even ask me to make a GitHub repo instead of writing a book. So I decided not to do that. <laughs> so you have to you have to code along. So if you if you want to like uh, use a book in the best manner. Uh, best way possible you have to code along with the book awesome so, well yeah. i will I'll, I'll give it a read i'll code along and see what it uh see what it looks like so i'll, I'll give you any feedback i have I'm, I'm pretty excited about that you know the pipelines that's something i've really been meaning to work on and improve this year i think mm-hmm. that for reproducibility for actually getting the best results the more infrastructure you have the better um and you know, I'm very much like let's get to the solution type of guy. So um, that that's always an area that that I can improve on. And for anyone watching, that's an area that is really important in the the job process. People care more about reproducibility and uh, how you document your work than they care about your results sometimes, right? Because you're going to be working with other people in the real world and collaborating and and making your code reusable is one of the most important things, if not the most important thing. So, uh, so definitely, uh, if you guys are interested, I'll, I'll link to, uh, to his book as well. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. This was absolutely awesome. I, I learned a lot about Kaggle. Uh, I learned about a lot about your experience as well. And, um, you know, hopefully we can do something similar to this in the future. Definitely. And thank thank you very much for inviting me. It has been a pleasure.